1: Good evening Razorback fans, welcome to the one, the only Hog Talk podcast and we are a part of the Believe and Buzz radio networks where you can hear us on all podcast platforms as well as Buzz 2 106.7 in Central Arkansas. And So please like, rate and review our podcast. I'm your host Porter Hayes, alongside me is Jacob Davis. And all live shows are presented by Arkansas Brewing Company in downtown Ozark, Arkansas, as well as Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports with the first-to-market odds and lines. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information, from live in-game betting, props, and futures. So head on over to Bet Online today, or use your mobile device to join and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code Believe B L E A V five zero. To receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit, bet online where the game starts. And Jacob, uh, I can honestly say that neither one of us had a a great weekend. So, uh, when it comes to our teams and our uh, performances, I had to um, dreadfully uh, sit and watch with a a Carolina fan and and get rubbed in my face. that uh, South Carolina beat Clemson for the first time in seven years and just had to sit there and eat, the, the, take the ale, and watch our team just get time after time after time again to just take, go ahead, and two fumbles in the fourth quarter. But moving on to the Razorback game, kind of similar situation. I mean, you had the lead at halftime, and we don't – I mean, this is the tale of the season. What the hell is going on with the team? You just come off this masterful win against Ole Miss, and then this—it's just like this is up and down roller coaster university. It's the Arkansas roller coasters. I mean, that's that's just what this season has become. And it's like <clears throat> when we win, it's great. When we lose, what's point fingers. But instead of, I think honestly, there's a lot of p- finger pointing instead of what's really going on. How do we really fix the issue? But. Here's transfer portal season, and we're really going to see what, what's going to go on.
0: Yeah, we've already seen Miles Slusher announce that he was going to enter the transfer portal. Now, I'm not sure uh, we know where he's going to go, but he's a talented player. The guy could rush the passer. He's good in, in uh, protection in the secondary. I mean, he was just a meaningful player. Played a lot of good snaps here. Helped Arkansas kind of recover uh, from from the Chad Morris and Brett Bielema days. But seeing seeing him leave, it, it's it's gonna hurt a little bit just because you're gonna lose some depth there at the secondary position, uh, a place that's been kind of suspect all year long, man. And but yeah, it it really it really hurt to kind of watch this game unfold. You fight for being down seventeen to seven in the in the first uh, half, and then you end up taking the lead twenty one twenty at halftime, and then things just didn't feel. Like Arkansas was just motivated, and yeah. we said that every single week. And I hate to feel like I'm beating a dead horse, because if it seems what like we are every single week, it's like, oh man, you're up 42 to six last week with a dominant performance over Ole Miss, and then this week you go out there and crap the bed against against uh, Missouri. I mean, well I, I mean, you try to go first down and goal with a tied in sneak. I mean, you have a freaking 500 pounds of of uh, offensive fortitude and Jefferson and, and Rocket Sanders, and you choose to go with your converted wide receiver, turn tight end and Trey Knox. I mean, not that I fought Trey for it, but it's a bonehead move. Are you trying to win the game or, or what? Yeah. And this, <laughs> like, but the thing is, it's like this kid moments. ain't,
1: yes, and that's the most frustrating play of the year because one, yeah. he couldn't block a freaking screen door window. You know, I mean, he, he couldn't, and it's nothing on yeah. him. You force him into the tight end spot. You put the weight on him, and we talked about that. Just because you put the weight on him and he made the, 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 you know, the adjustment. He made the sacrifice and the adjustment to go to that. But sometimes, I mean, he and here's the thing. It's not a knock on him. But when you just watch him run in motion from one side to the other, he just looks like he has two left feet when it comes to blocking, and, and it's nothing against him. It's just how you could see how slow he moves from one way to the other. And you can't move that slow and expect to block a defensive end or yep. a linebacker. He's not, And so if he can't even block a guy, you're going to expect him to – I mean, like – and you're like, hey, we're going to catch them off guard by doing this. Like, you don't think that putting him in a position that nobody's ever seen before, that's not going to throw red flags. That would be a thing where you use him as a decoy – and do a little end around or, or run around the edge. It, it's just – it just baffles me. And here's the thing. Everybody wants to point the fingers at Kendall Bryles, and, and rightfully so. But at some point, this is the last regular game of the season, and you're still letting your offensive coordinator call bullcrap plays like this. Sometimes you've got to be able to step in and say, no, we're yeah. not doing that. There's yeah. sometimes and, – and here's the deal. This is the biggest downfall, the biggest criticism I'll give Coach Pittman is – it's like he wants to pass the buck. Yes, he'll take ownership and take the fall, but it's like he doesn't step in until his coordinators know we're not going to do that. We're not going to run that bonehead play. I mean, if you've got seasoned media credentialed people covering this team for 30 years, 20 years, saying that is the most ridiculous play, people who have played for the Arkansas Razorbacks are watching this saying that's the most bonehead play I've ever seen. At some point, you got to look at yourself in the mirror and be like, I should have – I mean, that's the thing. That's going to be the biggest thing when he reflects on this, and it should. How many times should I have stepped in as a head coach, burn a timeout, said, no, we're not going to do that. Let's run something else.
0: I mean, it's ridiculous. And it's at least happened twice this year that we've we've known about. I mean, I don't know – I mean, he did kind of say that we didn't have the – the lineup going or, or the the look that we wanted from Missouri to run that play, then freaking yeah. call a timeout. Exactly, it's first and goal. You're trying to go seven to five, kind of kind of make this this season a, a little bit better than what it was, and then you're losing to Missouri for the sixth time in seven years. Like I don't understand it. I can't comprehend it. No. I, I in my in my mind, I don't see. Missouri is being in the same league as Arkansas, and every single year we're proven wrong.
1: Yeah, that's about to say. I don't
0: get it. Like, I I was looking
1: at the Facebook groups and stuff, and I seen this Razorback fan. He he made a post about Missouri putting a retractable roof over the, the stadium, and it was a toilet bowl. How can you sit there and say that when they own you? Yeah, you can't. There are certain teams you can say that to. You could say that to Vanderbilt or people that you're. I mean, Ole Miss after you beat them, but you you can't sit there and trash talk Missouri when you sit there and let them bust your tail and bust your ass. You're in and you're out. Yeah, you let the guy, the Basil guy, talk his crap, and then they come in and and beat you. You've never won in that stadium, and you want to make a joke saying, "Well, let's put a toilet seat over their stadium." Well, you've never. And somebody even said, well, every time Arkansas plays there, they get flushed. So, might as well. Yeah. I mean, that's that's where we're at. There's a lot of frustration that you see after a loss. And it's like, when are we going to realize that sometimes, you know, this team is just not as – the depth is not there. We have to look at depth, depth, depth. And you don't – I mean, we're not we're not even thinking about the fact that Bumper Pool, before the week even started, was like, hey – Sam Pittman said this might be as – what impact did that have on the defense? Like, right. you know, you lose Catalan it. at the first of the year. You really counted on him to become that glue guy to get this – maybe make something out of this team, be good. Be very respectful on defense. And they showed times where they were. And then the week of the last game, Bumper Pool. I mean, of, there's reports that he had some kind of surgery. But it's like, you know, what blow did that have? You know, we get to this point and we lost our captain – you know, we lost one of our captains, the guy that's you know, and and just all the things that come into this, and you're already six and six or whatever, and you're just like, should you know, and it's crappy to think that way, but I mean, you never, you know, these are kids, so then you don't know what's going through their heads at times.
0: No, and and I think a lot of it has to. I mean, Arkansas, they they go out there and just, I mean, boy, away Ole Miss, they play against a a number 5 team in the country, LSU the week before and lose by 3 with a backup quarterback. And you can't get up from Missouri? Yeah. You can't get up for them? What the mess, man? Yeah. I don't get it. You get up for A&M, you get up for everybody else, but every single year in the season finale, you cannot get up for Missouri. It's it's I'm sick of it. Yeah. That's the only way I can I can say cuz I hate losing to those guys. And you know, I went into this game thinking it's a, uh, not a rivalry. I'm leaving with it thinking I'm just pissed off because you know I'm ready to beat the freaking crap out of these guys. And I think that's what makes it a rivalry now is because you're getting tired of getting your teeth kicked in because you know Arkansas's got the better talent. They, they, I mean, up and down recruiting wise, Arkansas uh, has had the better talent for the for the whole decade, probably outside of the 2018 game. Arkansas, I mean. Lost thirty eight to nothing in that game. Every other year, it's been a one possession ball game. Yeah, and it continue. I mean, and Arkansas's got better resources. They've got. I mean, Missouri. They're not even up to par with a stadium that's SEC caliber. It just doesn't. It, it doesn't look great. It looks like Starkville before they uh, added in that end zone there and, and finished up their their stadium. So it just doesn't make sense to me how Arkansas continually goes to Missouri and loses. And, and even in Fayetteville or Little Rock, and they lose. It's just getting. I'm exhausted by it. Yeah, I just it, don't get how you can get up for those teams, but not get up for Missouri. It's it's ridiculous. Well, and you look
1: at the Liberty game. I mean, and, and at the time we're like, oh, we're worried about the team that. Look at how they came through with the season, and and yeah,
0: um, they lost 42 to but, seven. They were losing 42 to seven at one point to freaking New Mexico State.
1: Yeah. Um, Megan brought up a thing. I do want to correct something. I don't know if I posted it on Facebook, but Megan said I thought we scored 27. Well, I was looking at the I was going off the Arkansas Razorback website and it's they said 29-24. So, I did look at the press box score and it was 29-27. So, wherever we had that posted, I do want yeah. I did correct it. But But back to the point. You look at the Liberty game and look where we thought after that loss, okay, they were ranked. They you know we're we overlooked them and and we were making excuses for the loss. And here we are at the end of the season. And there's just you, you can't make those excuses anymore because this is the battle line trophy. This is you break out the bowling ball and everybody's up in arms saying, You know you're wanting to go bowling and you're trying to better yourself and get a better bowl game. So, for them yeah. to I, – I don't know. There's just so many questions of why – what happened between the Ole Miss game and this game. There's so many questions on why. I mean, I know Missouri's a hard place to play. I know that they're a tough team on defense. You held them to three field goals. I mean, if they score touchdowns, this thing's a blowout. I mean, yeah. your defense did a decent job in holding them to three field goals on, on the drive. So, it's just – I don't. I don't know. I, I think just fresh start. I, there does need to be some changes, and they did. Uh, you know, get rid of their strength and conditioning coach. But I don't know if that's one of the things where it was low men on the total pole, or, or, or you know, I mean, you, you don't know. I, I don't think honestly. To goodness, when you're getting up and down for different games, I don't think that it's your strength and conditioning coach's fault yeah. for this stuff. I, I just, but,
0: I don't think. I don't think that's the issue. Did you see how bad the offensive line was getting manhandled the last four games? Arkansas, the most yards they rushed for was against Ole Miss last week. They ran for three thirty-eight or something like that. But in the other three games, the most they rushed for was one forty-four against Liberty. Mm -hmm. They were getting manhandled. Yeah, but where you got? What do
1: you? But that's the difference. So where's the depth at on the offensive line? You've recruited well there. You've recruited well. But how long – I mean, you, it takes a long time to develop. You, I mean, you're yeah. throwing – that's the thing. I mean, you're, you you look at your offensive line. Yeah, you've got a good core, but, geez, Louise, I mean, there's no depth there. Yeah. You, when you're like, ha- you know, that's the thing. Like, people yeah. want to go point at – there's only so much – by God, you go for eight, nine weeks and push around 350-pound guys or 300-pound defensive linemen for 60 minutes and then on top of that practice and in practice you're doing you, yeah. that's the difference between Arkansas and the rest of the SEC when it comes to depth they don't have you can't bring in a, a, a line offensive line for a series and give your guys a rest you can't bring right. them in yeah. on a third down you know you you when you have depth you have those third down specialists or you have the run game specialists or pass blockers yeah. you don't have that and it took a toll
0: yeah Devin says 10 carries for Rocket, and that's one thing I didn't realize until after the game. I I knew that Rocket didn't touch the ball very much, but 10 uh, 10 carries for your running back that was one of the best in the SEC this year, ran for the fourth most yards in school history in, in one season, Yeah, and you don't give him but 10 carries? Man, what in the world was Kendall thinking? Like, I've seen there's been times where Rocket's been stuffed but he ended up running himself out of it.
1: Well, here, here, here again, devil's advocate. Okay, KJ Jefferson had 19 carries in this yeah. RPO setting. How much of those reads? How much is that on KJ, and how much is that on Kendall? Right. I want to go 50-50. i mean, I'm not saying all of it's yeah. on KJ, but you got to look at, at, at KJ's getting 10 more carries, and and he's in. At, you want to talk about KJ? He had 19 carries, 74 yards. Yeah, yeah, two two yards of carry. So, I mean, it's and I'm I'm going off how many yards rushing he had, because we're yeah, looking at 36 yards, sacks, but that he got sacked seven times. So I mean okay. I'm not counting when I go yards, I'm looking at the okay. gain yards. I'm not looking at okay. the net. He okay. had 74 yards rushing, but it was it's just the fact that yes, he is the captain, he is the guy. I'm not saying that he shouldn't have done that. But when we're looking at ten carries, we automatically go to Kendall Bries and KB. But I think it's a 50-50 split because yes, it's the offensive coordinator's job calling the plays, but KJ's the one making the reads. We gotta put a, you know, you gotta put some heat on him when your guy, your, your bell cow, rushed for twenty four you know, twenty four carries and had a career rushing. I mean, what was his total last week? Two thirty two. So he he got 10 yards less rushing last week than Brady Cook had passing this week. Wow. If that if that just breaks down, how good of a performance. Brady Cook had 242 yards passing and one touchdown.
0: Yeah.
1: He and he rushed one. the ball well. Like he was Yeah, good. he had 150, but that one was all, he had a he started off with that 37-yard right off the bat. But still, yeah, even if you take that away from his gain, he still had 18 carries, so 17 carries for one one twenty. If you take away that one run, and he only had thirteen loss yards, so they only got to him two two times. Sacked him. Yeah. But I mean, you've got to look at the whole perspective of when we're talking about why this guy isn't doing that, and you know, you've got to look at the whole thing of. But the questions: Why did this guy get twenty-four carries last week? And he only gets ten this week. What what happened? But where's the connection? I mean, was is the reads different? Was Missouri doing something different to key on Rocket? Hey, let's make KJ beat us. We we know right. they're not going to beat us through the air. Let's key on the running. So I mean, just because I mean he only had he had forty seven yards rushing. Rocket Sanders did, but if you're right. if nobody respects your pass game, that's going to happen. Right. I mean, and 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 like Coach Pittman said, when you're you're, they're bringing more guys than you that you have to block. How many times has that happened this year?
0: It's happened a lot. Yeah. But, I mean, it's... Um, yeah. You can talk about defense a little bit. Defensively, Missouri's kind of been... I mean, offensively, uh, Missouri's not been very good. They haven't moved the ball very much on anybody. Yeah. Uh, but I do want to give a shout-out defensively to Chris Paul, who... Man, he had a, a game-high nine tackles, I believe, uh, one tackle for a loss. Yep. And I mean, that was in his first start, so he's in replacing uh, Bumper. That guy, he's got a future. He's, And I know I saw somebody say something earlier in the comments about uh, guys out there just jogging and stuff. That guy goes 100% on every single play. Yeah. And I think if he stays with it with that mindset, he's he's going to be one of the next in the line of, of Brooks Ellis to Grant Morgan, Hun, uh, Hayden Henry to Drew Sanders and, uh, uh, and bumper. And I think Chris Paul is going to be the next great Arkansas linebacker. That guy has been tremendous. He's finished, uh, fifth in the regular season as far as total tackles. And he didn't play near as many snaps as a, like a Latavius Brenny and several other guys this season too, that, uh, that have been on the field probably 50% more than he has. So, that's really cool to see uh, a promising redshirt freshman, uh, something to build around there on defense. That's somebody you need to make
1: sure when, when this transfer portal stuff comes down, you don't lose him. I mean, because he I means a lot to your to, team.
0: But he's You never know what – you never know. You, you hear things, but then you never know what's going on in a kid's head either. So Yeah. But, I mean, I'm just saying that's the one.
1: Even though you know, you want to reassure him. You, you, you need to keep – I mean, the guy that wants to play for your team and be an Arkansas Razorback to the core – yeah. And and that, but that also, we're we're looking at doom and gloom. But we don't know who else is unhappy at their school. We don't know who, you know. <laughs> look at what the transfer portal has done for Arkansas. But we right. are at the end of the season. We are. We don't know what kind of bowl game we're looking at. I don't know when that will be decided. Or,
0: or it'll be next Sunday. Next Sunday is when bowl else's will be after the uh, conference. No, that's time, right, that's after right. Conference championships. Uh, we'll probably hear about six o'clock. We'll probably hear some rumors and stuff during yeah. the day. Uh, probably about three or four o'clock, but I think uh, the bowl announcements are going to be on ESPN uh, next Sunday at six o'clock.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Well, and you look around the—I mean, look at LSU get beat by Texas A&M, and that's wild. You know, I
0: did not see that coming.
1: Just a lot of games. I mean, you look at Michigan and Ohio State and teams that were, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy how everybody's thinking or trying to say that Alabama has a shot to get back in. And it's like, are they really trying to push Alabama to sneak in into the co- – and they they will.
0: Any, any, ounce, oh, yeah. any,
1: any, any ounce of inkling that they can get their darling in, they're going to try to, I mean, promote that. And I'm like, unless USC loses, TCU loses – And Michigan loses. I don't see how it happens. I mean, I just don't – but then again, I mean, you've got the committee that's like, well, who's going
0: to give us the best money? I would rather see Ohio State. I think Ohio State probably shoots down to five maybe. I mean, they're (sighs) one loss. compared. one loss But it was a bad loss. It was a bad loss. At home. Yeah. I mean, that was horrible. That was horrible. Like, that was – yeah. But you know
1: yeah. what it does? I mean, when you you're riding a streak, nobody looks at the flaws. And this is what right. I wanted to bring up about this season. It kind of parlay's or or, or goes segues into Arkansas. You you never see the the flaws when they're winning. But when you lose, you're like, "Oh, I've seen this happen. I've seen this hole. I've seen this chink in the armor." And I think that's what's happened. I think li- the Liberty game really showed a lot of chink in the armor. And I don't know if, if if other teams were going for that, uh, but a lot of that had to do with they they see what you you got Matt Landers, Jaden Hazelwood, and, and Trey Knox out there, and Keytron Jackson, when the first of the season are like, okay, we got to respect these guys. Well, I mean, when you're passing for you know two thirteen, and I mean they've shown signs of a guy that can really take over, but. The grand scheme of we know that Arkansas is not going to burn us. They're not a dual threat team. They're not a threat to us through the passing game. They can beat us and get lucky, but when you stack the box and you make Arkansas beat you in the passing game, I mean, albeit, you know, like Ole Miss, where you just catch fire, I mean, it happens, but for the most part, they've not been able to do that. And I think that's the biggest missing component when you come to the success of this team is depth. And being able to be a balanced team. You can't just run the ball anymore. You can't just pass the ball anymore. you got to have – I mean, look at Ohio State. They were this pass it, pass it, pass it team. But if you can't defend the run and you can't run the ball, in November it don't get you anywhere.
0: No. And uh, you talked about the passing game-wise. I believe Matt Landers may have an option to come back next year. Uh, He he redshirted in 2018 at georgia and he has that covid year at 2020 so you get one extra year of eligibility so if Jaden hazelwood and matt landers want to come back you welcome them guys back with open arms those were your two leading receivers both over 700 yards this season uh so that was i I would welcome those both of those guys uh welcome arms you know open arms uh man matt landers really came on late when the light really kind of uh, flipped on uh, during that BYU game where yeah. he had like six receptions for 99 yards. But the guy got most of his yardage and most of his touchdowns in the final uh, seven games of the season. And he was he was turning turning heads there for a little while. So I would like to see him back as our deep threat. Arkansas has got another guy uh, that's coming on an unofficial visit. Uh, he's an FCS receiver uh, for over 1,000 yards this season. So, uh, we'll be able to – I can't remember his name right now, but it was text to me earlier who it was. But uh, he's an FCS guy, went for 1,000 yards, I think 10 touchdowns. Uh, I can't remember what FCS school it was, but that's pretty stout numbers there uh, at the FCS level. And we've seen the FCS. It ain't no joke anymore. Look at Texas State. That Schrader (laughs) kid at Missouri was a D3 kid. Uh, It played in the same level of competition – as SAU, uh, OBU, Henderson, that yeah. type of guy. And then he came out, and I don't think he gashed Arkansas but uh, uh, on Saturday but, or Friday, but he uh, had a pretty good game. He, uh, Cody Schrader, 18 carries, 88 yards, and one touchdown. But he had had like 700, 800 yards coming into this game. So, I mean, he, he went up a level or two levels in competition and, and played pretty well.
1: Well, and you've got guys like that, and they're
0: dogs. They're just waiting oh, yeah. to get their
1: chance. I mean, you you look at look at Paul, what he's done with his chance. You know, look at, you know, um, McAdoo, what he did with his chance. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're seeing these guys, and I think that's the, when you look at the promising aspect of this team, you've got the younger guys that are hungry, want to be Arkansas Razorbacks, and you can use that to your advantage of, okay, we got these guys we can work with. Okay we got the ingredients of having a, a good team. And there's been, you know, people saying that, you know, we're going to be doing all right when it comes to the transfer portal. And we'll, like I said, we'll yet to see what that is. But you want there to be hope because, man, I just don't know if last year was a curse. It was like, did it happen too early? Did the expectations get set too high too early? Because we know how difficult it is when it comes to building a team in the SEC. We know yeah. how stressful this must be on these guys, and we're—I know—we we say three years, but we're forgetting the COVID year. We're forgetting coming out of the COVID year, so it's almost like you know we're seeing the effects of that for two seasons. Mm-hmm. So right. you've really had one full season of nothing to really, you know, hinder you from building a program. So it's almost like you're starting over. But at the point when you see them, it's a catch twenty-two. Yeah, You see all that, but then you see the performances, and if there was a drastic drop-off or if there just wasn't that good of a team, we could see that. But we've seen what they're – it's like having your kid that's an All-A student bringing home Cs. You're disappointed yeah. because you know what they're capable of doing. We know what this team was capable of doing, and, and especially that team. And we said that last week about – and I was talking to Adam Spencer about this being a rivalry. If the loss hurts like it does and you're pissed about this 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 loss – it's a rivalry game. I mean, yeah. you can fight it all you want. This is a rivalry game. No matter what, how many times you have lost this game, it's a rivalry now.
0: Yeah, and I think you were. Uh, I had I had a thought there, and it just kind of kind of left me. But yeah, it is. It is definitely a rivalry game now uh, after this one because I really thought was Arkansas's time to yep. to get it right. It was promise. And it, yeah, there was there was there has been so much promise this season. You you look at all the players that you added. You look at all the transfers that played huge roles, like Brenny and 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 Drew Sanders and and Terry Hampton, Jordan Dominic. You look at the offensive side guys like Matt Landers and Jaden Hazelwood, and, and it was kind of brewing. Like and, and then that three and zero start, you're thinking, okay, this is it. And I think that ultimately, that a And M loss, where where Cam Little missed that field goal or not even that point, but early in the game where KJ Jefferson fumbled at the three yard line, where he jumped over his offensive line. And that is where the, the team's mindset changed because you could see, I think the, the balloon of the expectations got popped at that point and then never recovered after Cam Little's missed field goal at the end of the Texas A&M game. Arkansas never seemed to recover because they did not play with the same effort and motivation throughout this season after that loss, after that field goal. And I can remember, and it made me sick, I remember two months ago sitting, laying in my bed, and I looked at Caitlin and I said, as Cam Little missed that field goal, and you could see the dejection on all those players' faces, the bummed look at all of them, and I said, this loss is either going to taste really bad, and they're going to come back against Alabama and play lights out, or this is going to affect them long term and then uh, not be able to rebound. And they never fully rebounded. There was points where they they played like the team that we expected them to be, just like last week against Ole Miss, kind of like Auburn and and the BYU game. But after that, man, they just never rebounded.
1: Well, and then you throw in, and, and I'll we'll do a quick read, you know, just final thought yeah. before we had a commercial break. But but you take in KJ's injury, and,
0: yeah. and
1: you got to take that into effect. Now we we can these are not excuses. We're we're just saying, you know, when you look at the grand scheme of what happened to this season, you, you just had there was so much turmoil in this team. You you mm-hmm. lose KJ. You bring in Malik. Malik was going to take the snaps, and then no. He wasn't taking the snaps. Let's put K.J. back in. Did we put him in too soon? Then he comes in and comes out of the game. You got him for the LSU game, you know, Hornsby. Well, now K.J.'s – there was so much freaking the uncertainty. It's like, right. honestly, to goodness, it's like nobody knew what the hell what they were doing. No, yeah. no And this is coaches and, and players. And I don't know if, if – we're at the age now where, now where coaches are listening, really listening. You know how when – a referee, it, it listens to the other coach, hey, that was a foul, and he calls a foul. Are the coaches yeah. really taking in account of social media now? Are the, are, are, are the coaches and, and stuff really getting influenced? I, I, I mean, agree it's, with it's, that. A, it's, it's a question. I'm not saying they aren't. It's like, are they getting influenced yeah. by the masses saying, you need to do this? And we don't know. Yeah. I mean, because, but it is so much because we see our our mentions in our DMs. Imagine being the head coach of the University of Arkansas <laughs> and you got you're handing your phone off to your assistant saying, hey, just handle this. But it's just like Yeah,
0: and, and that's kind of what we've seen. Yeah. With Sam. And it ultimately comes down to him. Before we go to break though, it ultimately comes down to him, order, yeah. Because he is the boss. He is the man. He needs to make the final decisions, everything, and not look over to his coordinators and say should we put Malik in? Should we have gone for that tight end sneak? Yeah. He's got to think about that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah. And, and and it's like this right here, stupid play calling and this is just this is what this is about the frustration. Yes. You know, they have talent. I like it. Just being the coach really bad and I, and here's the deal. 3 weeks ago I'd have been like, "Man, chill out on it." But now I agree on it. Here this is my final synopsis on it. Sam Pittman was brought in to be the foundation. Set a foundation yeah. Come in and bring this team out of the cellar. And I think the expectations happened too fast, too soon. He got the extension. He got the raise after one year. And this is where it was that too soon. We look at see what happened to Brett Bieleman when he got his extension. He got his extension after beating a six and six or seven and six Texas team. But we now we can start asking these questions of did did we jump the gun on are we pending it off a of one season success or are we talking about hey let's let's build a program and see where they're at and then let, let's reward him for where he's at you know but he, the guy was brought in to get the team out of the cellar and then mm-hmm. hey let's let somebody else come in and and, and take it to the next level and, and that's where we're at so But we're going to leave it there. We're going to switch things up to basketball after the break. Uh, We'll recap the um, Maui Invitational and then, of course, what they got going forward. But we will catch you right after the break.
0: Shelby Taylor Trucking serves all your timberland needs in south-central Arkansas. With over 50 years in the industry, Shelby Taylor Trucking has established themselves as trustworthy leaders in the industry. From planting to harvesting to hauling your timber, Shelby Taylor Trucking is ready to serve you. Follow them on all social media platforms at Shelby Taylor Trucking. Learn more by visiting their website at s-taylor-trucking.com. That's staylortrucking.com dot com. Camelot Exteriors
1: specializes in identifying hail, wind, and other storm damage, as well as residential and commercial roof installations and re-roofing. We use the, only the highest quality materials from certified suppliers while putting a lifetime labor warranty on all of our roofs. Our mission is to provide our customers with the highest quality roofing project, customized to fit each one of their needs, and to provide exceptional service through the entire process. Camelot Exteriors is based in Norman, Oklahoma, but we proudly currently serve nine other states. As a premier nationwide roofing company, so call us today at 833 799 7663 for your free estimate. Camelot Exteriors, your storm damage restoration experts. Do you need those pesky stumps ground before the winter? Your pasture brush hogged? Or need your driveway bladed? Here at Grind It Ride Outdoor Services, we offer more than just stump grinding. We have recently expanded our business to include tractor work as well. So along with stump grinding, we offer bush hogging, land clearing, grading driveways, placing, and even spreading gravel. We are locally owned and operated. So call Danny today for a free quote at 205-377-2662 or 479-530-1641. Again, that is 205-377-2662 or 479-530-1641.
0: McCoy Tiger Drug Store of Sheridan, Arkansas, has been the top pharmacy in all of South Central Arkansas since 1895. They were also the 2020 Good Neighbor Pharmacy of the Year. They not only fix you up with your prescription with timely and friendly service, but also an elite gift shop all your OTC needs, baby and wedding registries, tuxedo rentals, and much more. They're located at 821 North Rock Street in Sheridan. Give them a call today at 870-942-5121.
1: And welcome back to the Hog Talk podcast, and we want to give a shout-out to Arkansas Brewing Company at 201 South 1st Street in Ozark, Arkansas. You can call them at 667-2739, daily specials, always having a good band to come play, Uh, go and watch them at the game. they got eight TVs sitting there, ready to watch some TV and have some good drinks, so... If you're ever around the Ozark, River Valley area, stop into Arkansas Brewing Company and see Chris and Destiny Brockett and have you a good time. So, Jacob, we move into the basketball season. Um, really have not paid, you know, really gave them much time, but now season's kind of winding down. You know, uh, Maui Invitational, Louisville, you know, beat Louisville 80-54, to got beat by Creighton in a very tough game, 90-87. to And then ended it on an overtime win of San Diego State, 78-74. And I want to be honest. I really want to start with that San Diego State game. And I didn't realize the intensity and the backstory of those two teams until afterwards, of course, we seen the aftermath and the video of the guy coming out of the stands. And, you know, Coach Musselman released a statement on that. But here's the deal. There is no reason at all, and I don't care if it was Coach Musselman's fault. I don't care if it was a player's fault. You deal with that after the fact. You hold them accountable for what they were wrong for. In no way possible should you let a fan come on the stance. It is too dangerous. Somebody's going to get hurt. Somebody's going to get injured, whether it's a player or a fan. I'm old enough to remember the malice in the palace. I don't know if you are, but I'm telling you, I they're gonna. I mean, I was looking. There was a women's college basketball game. They were playing in a ballroom. It's like when are you going to? You got to have these safety standards set up. And like I said, I don't care who was right or wrong, but when you're looking at the safety of your team, and and what happened, you cannot let somebody come out of the stands. There's there's no way that turns out to be a good situation.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, due to. To expound on that, uh, Arkansas's coach Eric Musselman. He was a college basketball star, point guard for San Diego University, not San Diego State. Uh, so they were big time rivals. Those guys do not like each other. Eric Musselman has absolute hatred towards uh, San Diego State, and San Diego State hates him back. <laughs> like it, but and I think they lost. I think. Uh, Musselman went 3-7 and, seven and uh, while his, while he was at Nevada against uh, San Diego State, so he knew he had it in him that he wanted to to prove it uh, while he was at Arkansas, and things didn't look promising there for a little while. Uh, Arkansas got down 13 points and uh, in the second half, and it kind of just looked like, well, it's tired legs. Ricky, Ricky Council, you, you could tell in his shot, his jump shot was just short. Uh, sometimes he would he would uh, shoot it over. I mean, it was uh, it was just weird. It was a weird game. And then Arkansas just toughed it out. And shout out to Kamani Johnson. I know yep. I, I said it a lot. Kamani Johnson ended up trending on Twitter a, at one point on uh, Wednesday night. But, man, shout out to that guy, a guy that has played sparingly since he started in the season opener, Played had not played at Maui uh, at all, and then went in fresh. Uh, went in uh, without, you know, being – I mean, he was he was really fresh, just not even warm off the bench, probably didn't shoot since uh, warm-ups in the second half or the first half, and went out there and played with heart, played with dog. And, and like we were talking earlier about some of the football guys, those guys want to go out there and prove something. And Kamani probably proved something to us, like, hey – Give me a couple, five more minutes there, Coach. Give a dog a bone and, and let Kamani go out there and dog. And the way they were calling fouls, especially against Creighton, and I'll get back to you, the way they were calling fouls against Creighton and, and against uh, yeah. San Diego State, just absolutely ridiculous. I didn't think there was a game you could bring Kamani Johnson in because I thought he would get 5,005 minutes and be right back out of the ball game. But he played tough and didn't commit a single foul, maybe one foul the whole entire second half. And the guy just played excellent basketball. He he knows how to rebound, knows how to play defense. You can't rely on him on his offensive game, but man, just shout out to him. Way to way to perform and way to get some minutes. Earn your playing time there, son. Good job, Kamani. You you, you know basketball is
1: totally different. We we kind of touched mm-hmm. on this with the football aspect and your your starting quarterback. You know yeah. this is what we're gonna. You're gonna realize that if you're not really too fluent on basketball, and you don't follow it a lot, you're going to realize you can have all this talent, but yet when it comes to the college game, you're going to realize role players, and, and, and you don't have to start. You can have your best player come off the bench. Yeah. Some players, and it, it's weird how how basketball is, but when, when I was at Ozark, we had this guy. You started him, he would go for seven, eight points. He'd come off the bench, he could go 20 to 25. He, he just played better off the bench. I don't know if it was the nerves, you know, that first part of the game, you nervous or what, but but then there's some guys that can't. They have to start. If they don't start, there's some kind of, you know, mental thing that goes on. Then you got guys like Kamani that they know their role. They want to go in there and be a dog. You know, they know they're not going to come out there and get you 20 points, but look at Dennis Rodman. He made a career. Look at Deion Sanders. They made a career and got to the Hall of Fame – off of their specialty and making their their role known. I'm going to be good at defense. I'm going to be good at rebounding. I'm going to be so good, you're going to know who I am when I step on that court. And I'm going to give you everything I got. And and it showed right there with with Kamati coming in. I mean, you're following the game and you're like, Arkansas is dead in the water on this Creighton, you know, and not the not the Creighton one, the San Diego State game, yeah. You know, they just thought that it was just not going to go Arkansas's way. And I know we can get in the ref situation here in a second, but they, and for them to pull out a win and having the refs be that bad. And I want to say both ways the ref thing was horrible. And I want to tell you something you want to see things get just as physical as a football game, they don't have pads. And, no. and, and if the refs want to start letting the game go, and especially in these types of situations where you got two top ten teams playing, you've got Arkansas playing the 17th or 19th ranked team in the country in a battle, dude, I'm telling you, these you see it in high school games. You see it in college games. You let a ref let teams start getting away with stuff. They're not stupid. They're going to start no. using every – and it can take a game that can be clean competitive and it can turn into a bad situation just like the you no know, we talked about the fan. It it can turn a good game into an ugly game real fast to where three guys are they're blowing the whistles cannot contain what's going on.
0: Yeah. And and there was at points during the Arkansas Creighton game where Arkansas it changes the way you defend. Yep. Exactly. And not you can't go and, and fight for rebounds. Like you you can't you can't drive to the basket because, you know, if you if you commit an offensive foul, I mean, it's two free throws the other way. Because Arkansas was in the freaking double bonus in 15 minutes into the second half of that game. And I was downstairs watching Xavier and Gonzaga earlier, and, and Gonzaga had already committed seven fouls uh, in the first half, like eight minutes through the first half before uh, Xavier even had a whistle call on him, and that was in the uh, Phil Knight Classic. Yeah. Like – is officiating going to become this bad and they're also experimenting with the flop and and trying to figure out okay is the flop is it a personal foul i mean a, a technical foul or is is it an actual flop like there's just too many Well rule that's the ref's fault though. Yeah. That's right. the ref's
1: fault. they're, they're I, letting I them can't get away stand with in the
0: it. judgment call either call it in one way or don't call it at all. I would rather see a guy flop and not mm-hmm. get called yeah. than have to, have to have a judgment call there, whether he flopped or he didn't flop. Just make it one rule and make it universal where you where you flop and, and it's just, okay, all right, you flop and you fly off five or six, seven feet, call it a, call it a tech and you know, move it the other way or don't call it at all. That's all I ask.
1: It, it all started a long time a ago block. Yeah, with drawing a foul. Yeah. When you draw the foul – now, when I say draw a foul, what I think is a legit drawing a foul, if you pump fake a guy, he goes up and then you jump up into him and he just knocks the crap out of you. Yeah. That's a foul. But when you a, – a guy is playing defense and he's in a defensive position and then you lean into him, that is not a foul. No. That is not a foul. You, and, and also – when when an offensive player and this is the this is the way they let them play. I'm not I'm not I mean they get away with it because of the rule of the game. And that's what the players are taking advantage of. So that's it's not the player's fault for playing this way because they're allowed to do it. But when the offensive guy is going in for a layup and he brings his arm up to create that separation, how is it then when you're having to overcompensate that on defense and yet you still get a foul called on you. That is not – and I think that's just really what irritates me the most on what is a foul and what's not. You know, you're, you're trying to change all these things and make these circles where the guy can't stand in the circle, which I totally – that's the best thing because that is a safety measure that if a guy's already up in the air, you can't run up underneath him and draw a charge. Yeah, you know, but it, they have also counteracted. Is if you're playing defense and you're running with the defender and he shoves you, it's an offensive foul. Yeah, the the, yeah. the referees are just too to me. They should know if if you see a player extend his arm on offense, that should automatically be an offensive foul. I mean, it's it's the thing. There's no flopping. There shouldn't be any flopping. You if you're watching the game and you see a, a guy just barely move his hand up and then the guy just flails. I mean, come on, let, we're not going to start turning this into soccer. You know, it, it's, yeah. it's it's crazy. No.
0: Yeah, and then I, I got blown up for it because uh, when when uh, when Anthony Black went up for his three at the end of the game and everybody's like, oh, wait, they fouled him. They fouled him. He the guy. No, it was not a foul. No. Like, he no, he was trying to create contact, and that's what you were saying earlier. Like, why was that not a foul, Jacob? That was a foul. That was a foul. No, because he did not. He forced the contact amongst himself. I don't like the way that's how basketball's played now, but that's just the way we've had to adapt. And and over the past 10 years, that's the way this game has developed into, is you should expect a foul on offense. It's the anticipation of a whistle. You're hoping to get bailed out. Yes, you're, you're looking to get bailed out, opposed to you're
1: shooting a natural shot, you get hit, you get bumped, that's a foul. If yeah. you go up for a shot and the guy bodies you or, or clips your arm, that's a foul. Yeah. This this whole thing of you shoot the ball, you come down, and if somebody's in your space, well, that's a foul. No, that happened after no. the shot. Like Now, if yeah. somebody runs up trying to block you and they hit you, it's almost like a roughing the kicker and and, and running into the kicker kind of deal you, you they just gotta re really look at what is a foul because they play off of it and you know these coaches go to these clinics and they know the rule changes and they're gonna they're gonna know what they're getting into what they can get away with coming into the season and they work on that they know yeah. hey guys, this is what's changing. you can't do this anymore you know it's just
0: the way it is. They've taken the physicality out of the sport. Got yeah. And, well, and, and I think you, for you the most back. part
1: they should because if you're if yes. you can't ref correctly, then yes, you need to take the physicality out of the sport because if you start refing a game and really hammering down on it, and you can yeah. control that game, yes, bring the physicality back. But if you can't control the game, you do not need to because I'm telling you, it'll turn into wars. There'll be there'll be teams just yeah, start scrapping in the middle. of You can't do it.
0: No. No. And, and and the way the, the game has evolved over time, you can't just go back and say, we're going to scratch everything that we've, we've done in the past 10 years to progress this game. You can't just go back to say, this is how we're going to play it. We're going to go yeah. back to 2003. No, I said 10 years. We're going to go back to 2003. That's when I started playing basketball and seeing how things have changed rule-wise uh, back to uh, what it is now. And or back to what it was then and, and it just wouldn't turn out it, i mean people would get pissed people would get mad during the middle of the game and start their own bunches like we we would see guys with like ron artist attitudes or or uh, i was always afraid of jermaine o'neal who also played on that team what about rasheed like, jermaine wallace, he rasheed coach. wallace uh, yeah <laughs> ben wallace yeah like so those uh, chauncey billups those well, you had enforcers back in the day. They were put yeah, on the court.
1: To, I mean, Bill Beer, you know, and, and yeah. Hakeem. I mean, you look at all those tapes, like, when when you compare Jordan to LeBron things and you see all these yeah. things where people are just punching people in the face. And it's like, oh, I'll go sell You know, now if you barely right. touch somebody, you're ejected and you get a three-game suspension. But, you know, I think the biggest thing when you look at – we'll go back to the game and – we're, I'm yeah, looking. We, can, at we
0: we've, we've chased too many rounds. Yeah. We just talk about the Hawks. <laughs> right, go back. I, to the I
1: think when you look at the game, the biggest thing is, of course, their three-point percentage. You know, eight for twenty. But I, I'm telling you, since you know, really, really diving into the women's team and, and really watching how they've been, I've been really paying attention to the plus-minus. I mean, that's a stat yeah. that I think when you look at a game and you can tell. I mean, pretty much. How a game goes. I mean, this one was close between Creighton and, and Arkansas. But if you look mm-hmm. at the plus-minus, you can kind of tell, okay, this team did. And you look at, at, at Arthur uh, Kaluma for Creighton. Plus-minus was plus 12. Yeah. You know, Ryan Kalkbrenner, six. Ryan Nimbran was six. And then Trey Alexander was three. And Baylor Shinerman was five. All right. Now you go down to Arkansas. Jordan Walsh, negative one. Makai Mitchell, negative six. Anthony Black, negative three. Ricky Council, negative three. Devontae Davis, negative two. Trevor Brazil was the only guy in the lineup that was a positive plus minus. Yep. Mikael Mitchell was negative three. So you look at those, and that's going to tell you. That goes off your turnovers, your efficiency on defense, your rebounds, everything, how efficient you were when it comes to on the court. And they finished, and it's crazy, this, this game was a three-point game. Creighton had a pop plus three. Arkansas yeah. had a negative three as a team total. So, I mean, that just tells you when you look at the closeness of a game, it's not allowing me to pull up the stats for the um, San Diego State game. But, you, you know, I'll go re- right quickly to the um, Louisville game. You, you had their guys, negative 24, negative 13, negative 21, negative 15. So this was a blowout. This was a game that was eighty to fifty-four. You move to the Arkansas side. Jordan Walsh positive twenty-three. Anthony Black positive twenty-seven. Ricky Council twenty-five. Devonte Davis fifteen. Mikael Mitchell twenty-one. So when you look at that, you're like, okay. If you look at the plus-minus, you're like, okay. Arkansas won big, and it shows. And then that, and that's what gets lost yeah. because you look at even in the shooting in that blowout. Arkansas was eight for twenty-two. And, and, and three-pointers,
0: you know. Yeah, but I'm trying to find uh, the plus and minus from the South Dakota State game. I finally was able to find stats. For some reason, the Arkansas website. Yeah, it, it keeps on saying Safari won't load. But, it's, I mean. Yeah. So, here's the plus here's the plus and minus here. I finally pulled it up. Okay. Uh, Arkansas, uh, you had a plus 12 with Anthony Black, plus 8 with Ricky Council. Minus 15 with Devo, plus nine with Jordan Walsh, plus four with Makai Mitchell. Brazil had six, plus six. Jalen Graham was negative three. Uh, Dunning was two. Uh, Kamani Johnson had plus 14, and Mikhail Mitchell finished with minus 17. It doesn't give me the total there, but, I mean, that's about pretty even as far as the game goes um, because – they half the team on San Diego State, they had a lot of positives too. Yep. Uh, but there was a couple of turnovers there that kind of turned the thing around. That one there at the, the very the end. Yeah, exactly. The one at the very end yep. of the first, uh, the, the, at the end of that Trevin Brazil force. Yep. Uh, right there with seven seconds to go. And then you think about the two turnovers that, uh, San Diego State had, uh, in the overtime period. Uh, Arkansas was able to, uh, to come away with that, and that's how they ended up on the winning side of things. And, and the plus and minus thing is an underrated stat. Yeah, it is. Cause it shows you how exactly efficient guys are. And, and heck, man, Anthony Black, uh, he had two 26 point games, and one, uh, the San Diego State game was a 15 point outing. I think he played 39, 38, and 40 minutes. Uh, talking about a guy stepping up in the skipped. absence of Nick Smith. You know, yeah. there was a – that's the thing.
1: Minutes. I And we'd look at a guy and like, okay, he did it again. But, man, I'll tell you what. He – and I know he was the star, but I don't think he still gets enough praise for the fact – yes, he's putting up all these stats, but the fact mm-hmm. that he stepped in as another freshman and you got your guy that's the best guy sitting on the – you know, out with the yeah. injury. We don't know when he's coming back. For him to step up, man, that just shows you – one, how lethal this team is, and two, how mature this team already is becoming this early in the season. You're sitting at five and one with your with your star player sitting on the you know, he's he's out. Wait till this thing he comes back and you've got three games set with Troy, San Jose State, and UNC Greensboro the twenty eighth, the third, and the sixth before you play Oklahoma on, on December tenth in, in Tulsa. So that's good. You've got a three game homestand before you play Oklahoma, who is on fire as well. Yeah, and I don't know exactly when you know Nick Smith Jr. is coming back, but I mean, it's you're, hoping soon.
0: you're hoping soon because you're because you're, you, you're, you're coming up on conference break, conference
1: play yeah, now exactly, and you don't. That's the thing. You so you got Oklahoma, Bradley, UNC, Asheville, and then you are at LSU December twenty eighth. So hopefully. Yeah. I don't, I'm just saying this out of what I think if he's ready to go and we've seen he's been shooting around. You would love for him to come, I just me personally, San Jose State or Greensboro. That way yep. you're not running him in right there at the Oklahoma game, but also you're not bringing him in just for two games before LSU. I would love for him to get four games in before SEC, three games at least. I mean, say the Greensboro game, then OU, Bradley, UNC Asheville, but – we don't know the status on, on you know, if he's a hundred percent or what the holdup is on that, but hopefully yeah. we see him soon because you know, people want to see that team bond and you know just as well as I do, just because the guys on the court, they got a jail.
0: Yeah. And man, they had looked really good. Even without Nate. Like I said in a tweet on Tuesday night when they played Creighton. That lost to Creighton, and I had a lot of backlash. I had some people say, "Well, you just beat two uh, mid-major teams that rarely ever get to the Sweet 16." No, you beat a top 10 Creighton squad that's probably got a really—they have one of the best starting fives in the country. Like that can take you in March. Creighton's number five right now. Creighton's
1: yeah. ranked number five right now. So yeah. whoever's and saying then, Creighton's not legit, they need to go look at the Diego, rankings.
0: Yeah, San Diego State—they've—they've they've got a full. They have a bunch of grown men. Like, how many of those guys did you have that just look like shrimp, like just popcorn shrimp, compared to big old dogs? Like, there were several guys for uh, for uh, San Diego State that were six, seven, six, six, two hundred and thirty. Like, those are a bunch of men, and that's going to get you deep in March too. So, to diminish this Arkansas team in any uh, fashion. Just I, I can't take you seriously, yeah. Because that Creighton and Arkansas matchup—that is a preview in March. I don't care what you say to me. You don't that want to catch him in the first blow round for
1: blow. You wouldn't want to catch Creighton in the first round. No, no. You wouldn't want to catch uh,
0: San Diego State in the first round. No. And this is this is absolutely like if Arkansas had Nick Smith, what does that Creighton game look like? I think it looks honestly the Creighton State, game.
1: Yeah, I think it's the same because yeah. Creighton is that good. Yeah, I mean, I'm being I mean, dead serious. San Diego yeah, State game and Louisville game. But if you want to look at the Creighton game, you can't just throw them in the lineup and say, well, they they blow everybody right. out. They're going to go 35-0. and That Creighton game would have been the same. Because those are – I mean, Creighton, yeah. that's what they're known for. They don't have yeah. football. That's They're a basketball school. Yep. They're out in the and, middle of Nebraska. <laughs> yeah.
0: Mean, and, and then they go and play uh, Arizona. And they only lose to them by three yep. on a neutral side. hmm So and, – and, and you can't say – Oh, we just beat a mid-major team. No, Listen. shut up. They are a legit team and took Arizona, who's probably borderline Final Four, maybe a Final Four contender early on this season. That's a dang good loss. Well, you're you're Parkinson's saying mid-major, mid-major when you're
1: when you're sitting at home because you got beat by a mid-major in the tournament. That's the thing. Look, people yeah. who who say that in basketball, they're stuck in a they're stuck in a football yeah. mentality. You, that' tell you what, that's one daggum. You can't look at the front of their jersey in basketball no. and say, well, they're a mid major. Because, hello, look at Gonzaga. Yeah. Look at Butler. Look at what Butler was doing. Look at George Mason. Look at all these mid majors. Look at St. Peters. That like, I'm glad
0: you said that. You know, I'm all these you teams.
1: You know, look at what these teams look at. Creighton. Look at, you know, I mean, Creighton had a gunner. You know, all you need is one guy that can go for 30 points. Yeah. Any night. And that's the big difference between basketball and football.
0: Yeah. I'm glad you added those teams in because you can say Gonzaga and Butler, but they've been around for twenty years. You think about the South Dakota States that we played just a couple of games ago. They were they went thirty and five last year. Yep. Okay, yeah. Maybe they flipped the roster a little bit. Maybe they had some returning starters. They still went thirty and five and won their conference last year and were within a possession of upsetting. Whoever it was in the first round is a thirteenth seed. Like they were legit. North was Dakota that, State was uh, legit. Like, was that Colgate who Arkansas played a couple years ago? Yeah, Colgate. And,
1: yeah. And then Bucknell, yeah. look at Bucknell. I mean, you're yeah. Look at these <laughs> when it comes to March, when it matters the most, the name in the front of the jersey does not no. mean nothing. No.
0: Because these guys are the men majors want to go out there and prove themselves. Because they're full of seniors.
1: That is the yes. biggest difference when and you they look can at, shoot. Exactly. You got two guys that can go for 20 apiece and they go off for 25, 27, and then they just take you out of your game. Yeah. It, it's over. You're going home.
0: Yeah. You look at Arkansas the last couple of seasons and, and you take last season for, 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 take that and you, who, who did Arkansas beat in the NCAA? Tournament? I mean, they beat Gonzaga last year and mm-hmm. Gonzaga was considered the best team in college basketball that season. All year long, they were pretty much ranked number one. They were overall number one seed. Arkansas was not even given a chance because they only had one guy that could score in JD Notay and another guy that could that played well down low. What did Arkansas do? They went out there and played defense, and we had guys like guys that you don't usually depend on, like Devo Davis offensively, Trey Wade offensively, but their defense. Compensated for their offense, and they were able to hit shots when when people didn't think they were going to. And that's the thing during March is, yeah, you may not think that you have all the guys, and then you overlook somebody. Yep, Arkansas is not going to overlook somebody in uh, in March because that's just not the way Eric Musselman is. Well, wired. and then that's the thing you, you want to talk to somebody you, you'll never.
1: And this is where Coach Pittman and his staffs gotten in trouble compared to where you're never. Yeah. You'll never see somebody out-prepare and out-scheme for a game. I mean, that's what everybody was saying, how well he scouts and nobody prepares for a team. If you beat Coach Musselman and you beat Arkansas, you just beat them. They just had a bad yeah. game, and you you earned that win because you're not going to sit there and say that, well, we weren't prepared for that game. He's, he is not going to allow it. Now, if the, the team's not prepared and they come out flat, that's going to happen in basketball. That, that's just you're going to get catch yep. these Saturday games or these Sunday games where the kids are just not up for it and they're going to lose the game. But
0: yeah, I don't remember who it was. I know we we're going over, but yeah. I love what Mason Jones said when when he was playing under Mike Anderson. They just rolled a ball out in the court and said, "Go play." Yep. But then he says, "Under Eric Musselman, I've never seen a guy that that watches so much film and so much." Uh, <clears throat> He, he prepares so much for a game and a scout and, and scouting reports, like, you know, almost every single thing about the guy that you're going to be defending that you, you should have been there the day he was born because he, you knew every single thing about him. Like you knew his tendencies. You knew what shots he took. You knew exactly where, uh, what way he was going to go. 99% of the time, like you just knew. And that's the way Musselman prepares and, and do not take that for granted because you don't get that. Like, 100 year check struck a gold mine with a yeah. muscleman because of the way he pre- prepares. It's like an NBA type of preparation. I've seen
1: a, a video of practice, and you've seen the glimpse of the wall, and it was like they took that paper that you would always make the, the signs for, like, football games, banners. Yeah. And each one of them had their name, and it was symbols. and It was like a 2K profile of each player.
0: Yes. It was insane. And he, puts them, and he puts them down on the sideline. Yeah. Because I watched a, his first practice that was open to the public during football season. He allowed uh, the fans to come in. And it goes all the way down the sideline of the scores table. Of every, it's a poster. Like, mm-hmm. a, yeah. like a science board poster yep. of everything that you need to know. Like, that's what I was like, what is that? Mm-hmm. I wish I had my binoculars. Like, (laughs) I want to know what that says. (laughs) Like you knew there was something different about Muslim in the moment. Uh, I, I I stood there during that practice, the first time I ever got to, and to, to see what he, the way that he practices and, and conducts himself and the way that, uh, uh, he prepares for opponents. It's just impressive.
1: Yeah. Well, that will wrap it up. Uh, we do have a, a show announcement. We are going to, um, Take a little vacation, as per se. Um, So we're going to do our weekly women's sports report tomorrow. We will not have a preview show, of course, because we don't know who the opponent is, uh, the bowl game. So starting, uh, there will be no live podcast next Sunday, and then all the next week, I am going to take the family actually go to Disney for the week. So um, I will be actually in Florida. I'm disconnecting. I'm turning everything off. (laughs) I'm going to enjoy Florida uh, so this is going to be kind of a rare deal when it comes to our coverage uh, for the first time really in four years. We're not going to really be putting a lot out there. So I know and I feel really bad for the um, volleyball team, which I will touch on tomorrow night when we talk about the Weekly Women's Sports Report making the NCAA tournament that, you know, won't be covering that game. But, you know, there's some times where you, you've got to take a break from this stuff. You've got to disconnect um, because it is, it is a lot. There's, there's a lot that goes into doing what we do in the coverage. And I'm, I'm not trying to, to, to pick on anybody or or say this as a jab to anybody, but I don't think that, um, there, there's not anybody who covers all the athletics like we do. I'm, I'm just, you know, so it's just, it gets where you need to put family first sometimes. So we're going to take a little vacation We'll be back on the twelfth. I think it's Sunday the twelfth. We'll have a we'll have a live yeah. show on the twelfth. So
0: you know, and If we're we not miss anything. I'll be back in town before then. I, I will try to keep things uh, going as far as uh, a little bit of content because we know the transfer portal opens on a Saturday or Monday, December fifth, I believe is what it is. That's my anniversary too. So I'll be in and out too. So uh, we'll be we'll we'll try to get some stuff out there to you. But man. Sometimes you just need a break. Yep, exactly. <laughs> and I think it's a dang well-deserved break. And it's perfect. So, uh, you know,
1: we're coming up on Christmas. You know, it's family oh yeah. time. I got to spend some time with the family and stuff over Thanksgiving and yeah. stuff. So, But it's a good time. But, you know, for, for Porter Hayes, Jacob, we'll are catch you tomorrow night for the Weekly Women's Sports Report. A lot of big news going on on that side of things and, and some not-so-good things with the soccer team falling to Florida State. But, you know, we'll kick that off tomorrow. But as for Porter Hayes, Jacob Davis –